Hey everyone, real quick, before we get started, I want to tell you about my newsletter, Build Something Weekly. It is a free weekly newsletter. I send it out every Monday and it includes the latest takeaways from the week's episodes, top stories that I've come across, my content, tips, tricks, tools, and more. And I've got to say, I, I feel like I've, I've fallen into a really good groove with this newsletter. I'm excited with the content in it. I'm excited with the interactions I'm getting from people who are currently on the mailing list through clicks and, and writing and things like that. And I've even introduced a new section or a new newsletter that's part of it called the Friday Toolkit, which is monthly. But if you sign up for Build Something Weekly, you get that as well. So if you are interested in getting this totally free, totally weekly newsletter, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash subscribe. That's howibuilt.it slash subscribe to sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It the podcast that asks, how did you build that? I'm not sure if I've done that intro in a while, actually. So kicking it old school this week. It's episode 197 and it's a solo show. I'm going to be telling you about how I wrote my book. Back in September, my fifth book, third properly published, I believe, or fourth properly published, uh, came out. It's called HTML and CSS, a visual quick start guide. And it was my first foray into building a general interest web development book, I guess. All of my books have been pretty niche. Two were on WordPress and one was on Google Glass. So I was excited to hit this uh, this general learning topic. So uh, if you're interested, the book's over at htmlvqs.com. Uh, but this is what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to give you a peek behind the curtain uh, to see how I wrote this technical book. So let's get started here. Uh, first of all, uh, I've always been a learn by doing kind of guy. Maybe that's because I'm thinking about other things when something is explained to me, uh, or maybe people are just bad at explaining things. I know I can definitely be bad at explaining things sometimes. Uh, but either way, a concept doesn't really sink in for me uh, until I do it or until I see an immediate application for it. So a good example of this is most of the JavaScript libraries that uh, people recommend. I know for a while, I feel like I was getting a new one recommended to me every week. And I always thought, when am I going to use this? How am I going to use this? And it's not till I actually learned one. Or it's, it's not till I actually needed one that I decided to learn it. So uh, I need to see the immediate application for it. When I learned HTML and CSS, I learned it by doing it. I learned how to write HTML and CSS in like 2001. So there weren't a whole lot of online courses. I was a high school kid. I didn't feel like buying another textbook. So I opened up front Microsoft front page and I would make a page in it. And then I would have a look at the HTML tab to see what the source code looked like. 
And I did eventually move to Notepad, or more accurately, Notepad++. Shout out to my friend Stephen Mikosh, who introduced me to Notepad++ and so many things, including CSS. Uh, so what I would do is I would try something and I would see what happens. I would uh, make an HTML page, add some markup, open it in the browser, see what happened. Or I would copy someone else's source and modify it. And that wasn't necessarily ideal, but that was the way that I learned. Uh, and today there are a lot of great alternatives, right? There's CodePen to just try stuff. There are online courses over at LinkedIn Learning and a bunch of other places. Uh, and I am happy to add a new resource to the fray. That's my new book, HTML and CSS, A Visual Quick Start Guide. Now, this is the ninth edition of the book. The eighth edition was written in 2012. So it definitely needed an update. Uh, so here's how I came to write this book, right? Because I, I wasn't the original author. I wasn't the updated text author. I was essentially just a guy at this point. Uh, but it dawned on me in March of 2019, which I know feels like a thousand years ago, uh, that my first real published book, right? Like published through an honest to goodness publisher, uh, my first book, Responsive Design with WordPress, was coming up on its sixth year anniversary. Uh, now, in in the web development world, in the technology world, six years is like a thousand years, right? Uh, and so um, I wanted to update it. I had an itch to write a new book. Um, and... Uh, while I'm mostly in the online course space now, you know, there's still just something about putting words on a page and then seeing those words printed in real life, going to the bookstore and seeing uh, a book with your name on it. I'm, I'm very privileged to have that experience. And I, and I was interested to see if my publisher would, was uh, willing to publish a second edition. So I reached out to them. Uh, that's Peach Pit. Uh, they're a subsidiary of Pearson, and uh, I was honored to write for Pe for Peach Pit because all of the books that I bought uh, that taught me web development were Peach Pit books. Uh, so I was like in the ranks of people like Dan Cederholm, uh, which is amazing. So um, anyway, I reached out to them to see if they'd like to do a second edition of Responsive Design with WordPress, but they told me the book was going out of print. Uh, apparently... People don't buy that many WordPress development books. I guess they look to other online resources for that. But my editor, uh, my publisher, they offered me an alternative to rewrite from scratch the ninth edition of HTML and CSS, a visual quick start guide. Um, and I was really excited about this. Uh, an HTML and CSS book has a much broader appeal uh, to uh, then then a advanced WordPress development book. Plus, for a while, I taught HTML and CSS at the University of Scranton, uh, and I, I used a book, but I thought, man, I could update uh, this classic textbook, right? It's a, a popular, I mean, a book doesn't get to nine editions without being popular, right? Uh, so I could update this popular classic textbook to fit today's students. 
And one of the reasons my editor wanted to go with me or thought about me was uh, I also make online courses and now they're, they're uh, quick start guides and, and some of their other books come with a video uh, section, right? Uh, a web edition and, and videos for the course. Uh, so I could tackle more interesting concepts, concepts and do more of a show and tell uh, that might be easier than, you know, going and describing a, a big, long process with words. So uh, I agreed and then we had to get into a couple of things before I could actually start writing. The first is for many publishing companies uh, or for many content creation companies, really, um, the original author is generally offered first right of refusal. So that means in order for me to rewrite this same title from scratch, uh, they would have to go to the previous author and get their approval uh, or their refusal, really. So they had to offer the previous author the uh, the opportunity to rewrite the book first, right? Because a couple of things are happening here. First of all, if I wasn't writing it from scratch, the way the royalties are set up is I would essentially split royalties with the original author if I was just working off his or her work. If I'm writing it from scratch... That means now that the author is forfeiting any any royalties for for later editions, right? If people still buy the eighth edition, he or she gets royalties, but the ninth edition, they don't get royalties because, again, I started it from scratch. Uh, and the previous author did not want to do the ninth edition, so we we proceeded from there. I had to do a proposal at that point uh, because... I was working off of an eighth edition. I had a general idea of what I was going to be writing, but, it, but you know, my, my editorial team kind of said, you know, make it your own. Um, but I, I had to justify a lot of the reasons why I was going to write this book. So, um, you know, I, I touched on the important parts, like the huge changes that have happened since 2012 in the, in the web development space in both HTML and CSS in the browser space, uh, there's been a, a big focus again on performance, on um, accessibility and things like that. And I wanted to touch on those things in the book as well. So uh, there was a lot to cover. I also had to look at the competition. Now the main competition and the book that I taught from when I was teaching at the University of Scranton, it was actually HTML and CSS by John Duckett. I think that's a really nice visual book. Um, it's definitely what I've what I've come to learn uh, in writing my book is that it's definitely more of a teacher's aid, in my opinion. I think it's more of a teacher's aid than it is a uh, I'm a person who wants to be self-taught. Um, because yes, there there are a lot of graphics and it explains things really nice, but there aren't deep explanations in it. I think I I think in this book, my book, I do some more explanation, mostly thanks to my editor. But uh, so that was that was the first process, uh, or that was the first step, right? Get approval from the previous author, uh, and then create a proposal uh, and outline. And uh, right after this word from our sponsors. I will tell you 
all about how I I decided to figure out what content I was going to teach. I am so excited to let you know that this episode is brought to you by ConvertKit. You've heard me talk about ConvertKit basically all year. I'm a huge fan of the tool and I'm so excited to have them back on the show uh, sponsoring officially. So ConvertKit, uh, if you don't know, is a, uh, a newsletter and mailing list software, but it's a lot more than that. ConvertKit helps entrepreneurs like you turn your side hustle into a full-time career by growing your audience, promoting your business, and building a meaningful relationship with your audience in a fraction of the time it used to take. Uh, and I can totally vouch for this. When I signed on to ConvertKit in 2018, I knew nothing about my audience and I would just kind of send them random things. Uh, but they uh, ConvertKit helped me know and understand my audience a little bit better. You can showcase your products and upcoming projects by building custom landing pages in minutes, saving time to help you focus on taking your business to the next level. Uh, and this is great, right? You can create a simple landing page uh, with an opt-in for your mailing list. Uh, you can even point a custom domain to it. Uh, and you don't have to worry about building out a full website just yet. This is all included in, in ConvertKit's free plan. Plus, their email designer helps you create beautiful, simple emails that help you build your brainchild into a brand. I absolutely love ConvertKit and all the tools they have to offer. I've created... Uh, uh, sequences to help me automate some of my emails and but also keep me in contact with my listeners uh, or my my readers uh, I use automations to make sure that I sort out all of my subscribers in the right way so that they're only getting the stuff that they want and I know that the campaigns they are getting uh, are always relevant to them because I can create an unlimited amount of forms and landing pages to appeal to the people who are signing up. So if you are interested in trying out ConvertKit, I would strongly recommend it. My business has grown because of ConvertKit. You can go to convertkit.com built to sign up for a free account and find your audience faster. That's convertkit.com slash B-U-I-L-T. Sign up for ConvertKit today and start growing your business. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we have gotten the approval from the previous author. We have the proposal done. And my next step for writing this book was to create a mind map. And I used an app called MindNode for that. Uh, and that's because HTML and CSS are such vast topics. Uh, and I had about 400 pages to communicate this these vast topics. So this book is for the beginner beginner, like no experience whatsoever. That means that we started with what is a website? How do you make one? What are files? How do I create a new file on my computer? Uh, and 
So because we were starting there, I wanted to make sure that we covered all of the basics. I wanted to make sure that uh, I didn't get in the weeds with any one topic. I basically wanted the reader to come away with a nicely designed, simple website that they could style and make a little and make look uh, a little nicer. Uh, so I mind mapped everything in HTML and CSS that I knew personally. I mind mapped some of the other topics like accessibility, SEO, and performance. And then I did a little bit more research. I looked at the previous edition of the book to see what topics the previous authors covered and how I should go about covering those topics. I used John Duckett's book. I know that is competition, but uh, I also wanted to see what he thought was important and how he covered it. And I looked at some online courses, my own online course. I have an online course on HTML and CSS, as well as some that are offered on other websites. I wanted to get a good general idea of what everybody thought was important to cover and then what I thought was important to cover. And then I wanted to find, you know, this is this was a book in my voice. So I wanted to make sure uh, that I hit some topics that not necessarily everybody wanted to cover, but I felt was important for one reason or another. So I made the mind map. I whittled it down and, and kind of compared my mind map to the previous edition of the book, looked at how much room I had, and I created an outline. Uh, that outline turned out to be way different from the, the written, from the, the writing, right, from the first draft. Not, not as far as like chapters go. I, I got the chapter topics down pretty good, but the bullet points under each chapter uh, and that's because the visual quick start guide is a little bit unique in, in the way it works. It's generally you explain something and then there's what's called a step-by-step -step where the reader can follow examples verbatim uh, and have some result on their website. So my topics were generally more big picture and this book, it was a lot more hands-on. And so I finally got that a few chapters in. But my out, my original outline, I basically just used it as like a guidepost. Oh, make sure I cover this topic. Make sure I cover this topic. And I really like the way that the book turned out because of it. Again, like I said at the top of the show, I'm a learn by doing kind of guy. So I wanted to make sure that the students were also learning by doing. Um, or the readers, I should say. And as an aside here, I also made sure to set up a GitHub repository with all of the code and the start and finish, uh, or at least starting points and ending points so that they could see how they were starting, how they, like what's the right way uh, to have this code just in case there was some something lost in translation. So there were a lot of outside things besides writing. But as far as the writing process goes, I'm generally a get all of my thoughts on one page kind of guy and then send it off for edit. Uh, I am really, really bad at proofreading and I am eternally grateful to the uh, editorial team for this book uh, to make sure that I didn't have a ton of typos and, and we reworded a lot of things uh, to make sure it was understandable. Um, I had a tech editor 
to make sure that what I was saying was factually correct. Uh, and in some cases, we had disagreements. Uh, you know, there were certain things that are like technically correct, but colloquially uh, or widespread, they're referred to as as one thing or another. Uh, one example is is framework versus library. Uh, you know, we had a disagreement on how to use those words, uh, using the words tag and element uh, or in CSS properties and rules interchangeably. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that we struck the right balance between if I'm talking to another developer, am I going to understand what they're saying? And am I going to know the right term? Uh, MDN, the um, Mozilla Developers Network, um, their web docs, incredible, like hugely, hugely helpful. I'm very grateful to my tech editor for leaning on that website enough to make me also learn, lean on it. Uh, and I'm grateful to Mozilla for maintaining that website. Uh, so the writing process went like this. I would write, I would read it over once usually. I wouldn't usually make a lot of changes though. And then I'd send it to my editor. He would read it over, uh, reword things that needed rewording or su make suggestions ask questions to the tech editor, send it to the tech editor. The tech editor would look over it, make his suggestions. He'd send it back to my editor. My editor would read it over one more time and send it to me, and then I would make changes. This process, in most cases, resulted in small changes here and there, but in certain cases, like the forms chapter, we basically rewrote that chapter from scratch because I took a very, let's build a form approach. Uh, and uh, my editor, who is familiar with the VQS series, realized that, hey, you, this needs to be more comprehensive. So uh, what I thought was like boring lists of, of things like input elements and whatnot um, turned out to be very valuable because, again, I've been a developer for 20 years. Some of the things I shouldn't be making assumptions about. Uh, I, I actually, in a blog post I wrote for this, uh, I pointed out that I needed to essentially relearn HTML and CSS, uh, not in the how does this work and why does it exist sense, but I'm basically self-taught and I've been writing HTML and CSS for 20 years. And if I'm teaching beginners, I need to make sure of two things. My experience doesn't color what I decide to teach in the book and I use the right terminology. Um, and in certain cases, my experience was coloring what I decided to teach in the book. Mostly, it's the fact that like I've been using WordPress long enough that I haven't really built a form from scratch in a long time. So, you know, what is important there? So I'm, I'm very grateful to my editor and my tech editor for making sure uh, we, uh, we got it right. And I really think we got it right. I, th I think the book turned out really good thanks to them. Um, so that was the revision process. I, I would rewrite a chapter and then I would send it back to my editor. And then I would essentially not see it again until it was in layout. Uh, so he would look it over. He would send it to a second copy editor who would review both of our work and catch any more typos. Then it would go to layout. Once the book is in layout, I would get PDFs of each chapter where I would have to review things and we'd have to make sure everything was aligned properly. You know, we didn't have any like orphaned... Um, concepts that should be somewhere else to make sure the images looked okay and things like that. And that was our last chance to kind of make changes. 
one of the things that we did where we could was replace any W3 schools links with the MDN link. Uh, not because I mean, I know that people have opinions about W3 schools, uh, but MDN is is more documentation like and updated and, and kept more regularly. Right. Mozilla makes a browser. So uh, that was one of the things that we we tried to do. As far as graphics goes, their graphics team is great. Um, anything that essentially wasn't a screenshot of a website, I sketched on my iPad uh, using an app called Procreate. Uh, and then I would send that sketch to the team and they would turn it into a nice looking graphic because I'm not a graphics guy. Um, so any of the nice looking like flow charts or, or things like that, um, the concept is something I sketched out and then the Peach Pit graphics team made it look nice. Uh, so before we get into the videos, uh, there there is um, another thing that I usually do in my learning resources that I didn't do for this one. And that was a, a concept website. Because this was very, uh, very learn the specific thing, we didn't decide we're going to build out a whole website, right? Because we wanted to make sure to cover all the bases. And I didn't, I honestly didn't want to like shove certain concepts into a website, like definition lists, for example, or I should say uh, description lists, right? That was one of the things that I had to change and readjust. Before HTML5, they were called definition lists, but now they're called description lists, which are more semantically correct, right? They're not, we're not just creating like dictionaries here. Uh, description lists can be used for all sorts of things, but I didn't want to have to come up with specific content just to make sure I got every HTML tag in here done. So uh, we, we leaned heavily on certain concepts actually, you know, like uh, I tried like a space motif in one chapter. I did a baseball motif in another chapter and then when we got to the CSS part, you know, that was, we did have a, a page that we worked, a, a concept that we worked more closely with, um, and it was styling a, um, a Sherlock Holmes short story. But for the most part, I didn't have a full concept site that we built out from start to finish. I just didn't feel like that was the right fit for this particular uh, book. My online courses, generally, yes, there is a better fit there. Uh, but for this book, I just, I, you know, I thought that it would be too contrived. I thought that it would be too, um, you know, I thought that I would be like shoving a square peg in a round hole. Uh, so that was the full book process. I'll finish that up and then we'll get into the videos. But first, a word from our second sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hostinger. Hosting is a dime a dozen these days. Hosting is a dime a dozen these days. With lots of places claiming to be optimized for platforms like WordPress while also being affordable. But they don't deliver on that promise. Hostinger does. I recently started using Hostinger for a personal project. And I was blown away by how easy the setup process was, how affordable their packages are, uh, just a few dollars a month in most cases. Uh, and they offer the best price quality ratio I've seen. And I've used tons of hosting companies. 
Their dashboard is well-designed and easy to use, and they offer a free domain and SSL certificate. Plus, they're optimized for WordPress. That is music to my ears. When I set up my site, I was happy to see that uh, they put some real thought into the WordPress setup process. Buying a domain was easy, then you pick your template, and they set up the site for you in mere minutes. Plus, they use Astra for all of their site templates with an assist from Elementor. So I know the site is going to be fast starting off. They also have caching and you can very affordably add Cloudflare for a CDN. Between that, daily backups and being able to manage WordPress plugins without having to log in, I was sold. So if you are looking for affordable hosting for that side project that's fast, secure, and optimized for WordPress, Hostinger is it. Head over to hostinger.com slash Joe Casabona to see what plans they offer. I recommend the business shared plan, though they also have a managed WordPress business plan. Uh, and for whatever you decide to go with, you can use the code Joe Casabona for an additional discount. That's hostinger.com slash Joe Casabona and the code Joe Casabona at checkout. So if you want affordable, good hosting, check out hostinger.com slash Joe Casabona. And now back to the show. So once I reviewed the final layouts, it went to print uh, and I have the book in my hands. Now, again, I love the way it, it turned out. But when I was done reviewing all the layouts, I wasn't done. I still had to record and edit about a hundred videos. Um, I basically would go through, I added several videos per chapter, anything that I thought was worth demonstrating uh, or any concept that I thought would be uh, good to just show instead of trying to explain with words. Uh, so I had to make sure that there was continuity between what I described in the book and what I was showing on screen. My editor helped with that. Uh, I had to make sure that, you know, there was continuity between videos and things like that. So that was a, a lot of work though. It wasn't too bad. Um, I, there was at one point I showed the name of a file uh, or the file system, the username, and it turned out to be one of my book's competitors. So I had to make sure to change that. But aside from that, um, you know, it, I, the creating the videos and editing them, I think it went really well. Uh, it was a lot of work over a short amount of time, but we got them all done in time for launch. And I'm, again, I'm just really happy with the way the book turned out. Uh, so one, the two challenges I face even, even now, right. As the book is out and being reviewed, it got a bad review, like a pretty, like a kind of a mean review, to be honest. But, um, you know, I, I really can't let that sort of thing like get me down. I know that some people have certain expectations. Um, this reviewer seems to already have known HTML and CSS. So, you know, maybe his, his or her experience is colored by the fact that they already know these things. Um, but my two challenges now are capturing customers who buy the book and adding them to my mailing list. 
uh, and then promoting the book. The first way, or, or the capturing customers part, you know, I do have a mention in the book um, that they can get more info if they go to a particular URL and sign up for the mailing list. So, uh, you know, if they make it that far into the book, then they'll they'll maybe want to join. Uh, promotion has been tough because I've been promoting a lot of a lot of things all at the same time. Uh, in the new year, I plan on uh, messaging a lot of college professors who might be looking for a new book to teach in their classes. So, um, one of our goals was to to get the book published by like July, uh, so that we could do that for the upcoming semester. But, you know, with the global pandemic and there were certain delays in production on my side and on their side and finding a tech editor and things like that, uh, we just weren't able to do that. So um, that's that's really my next big goal. Uh, I also want to reach out to, you know, other publications, send them a copy, see what they think, get testimonials and things like that. But uh, there's a lot going on in my world right now and promoting the book is part of it. So, um, that's, that's just another challenge I have to tackle, but, uh, that's it for this episode. If you have specific questions about the book writing process, let me know. I'd be happy to answer them. You can find links to the book and our sponsors and everything that we talked about here today over at howibuilt.it slash one nine seven. I want to thank, uh, Hostinger and ConvertKit for sponsoring this episode. Honestly, I think they're a good one-two punch to get your, uh, maybe your new business or a side hustle off the ground quickly and affordably. So definitely check them out. Let them know I sent you. Say thanks. If, uh, if you liked this episode, give it a rating and review. Uh, make sure to sign up for the mailing list. I'm giving you too many uh, calls to action. Here's the one call to action for you. Uh, if you want to learn more about this episode and say thank you to the sponsors and sign up for the mailing list, you can do it all in one spot. Howibuilt.it slash 197. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.